2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. It's been a really fun, really fun day for me today. And I I know that it might sound like I'm being sarcastic. I'm not. I'm just going to say the last five days, nothing worked out like it was supposed to. This morning was fantastic. This afternoon, not so much. So... <laughs> I will be taking my laptop to Apple on Friday instead of today. I had to cancel that appointment because my backup drive died. Uh, For whatever reason, my podcasting setup wasn't working right after I recorded the last episode. Lots of fun stuff. Uh, Lots of fun stuff for the the afternoon. On top of that, my kids had homework. And yeah, like my daughter, it is 9 or it's 830 right now. On a Tuesday evening, my daughter's still doing homework. So, yeah, yeah, fun stuff, fun stuff for sure. So, on this episode, we are going to go over Stellantis's earnings call. Now, here's the good news this isn't going to be a very long episode because I cut out the CEO and the CFO, I cut out their entire uh, opening remarks because honestly, they were very businessy and not so much uh, what we would find interesting here on this show. Now, I'm sure there's people who listen to this who want to hear the business stuff, but but I don't think it really plays well here. <laughs> so we just talk about EVs. So I skipped through their opening remarks. I do want to say that one of the common themes in the opening remarks was uh, half one because they do H1, uh, H2 uh, quarters or not quarters, earnings calls instead of quarterly earnings calls. So H1, there was lots of the first half of the year, lots of headwinds. The company did pretty good in terms of, you know, uh, uh, performance, you know, they made money, but there are lots of things that they can improve on big theme throughout the entire uh, presentation. I'm guessing they're having similar challenges to what GM is having with their battery, you know, modules and stuff like that. And they talked a little bit about labor negotiations, which GM did as well. And, you know, I don't know how much I believe companies when they talk about labor. uh, I'm sure on one side, labor is a thorn in their side, but on a completely other side, they couldn't actually get the work done unless they had people there working. So, uh, I'm going to put their earnest at, and I'm going to be concerned, uh, uh, friendly here. I'm going to put their earnestness in this at 70%, right? 70% of their thoughts are earnest and, and, and in good ways. I'm sure that they would just, <laughs> they just want to avoid a strike and avoid paying more than they have to in terms of These labor negotiations with the UAW and such. And the same goes for GM, and I'm sure the same goes for Ford as well. All right. So I'm recording these episodes, probably what would be considered out of order. I don't know how I'm going to release them. So if I say, I'll see you on Friday and it's Friday and the next episode is supposed to be on a Tuesday, just just take that into consideration as I don't know which episodes are going to be done for tonight's show. I don't know what episodes I'm going to release on Friday and I don't know what episode I'm going to release next Tuesday so I can get my my laptop all squared away. So if, if I say something date related in the next three episodes, don't believe it. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into our first question from Analyst and it's about the Stella Medium EV platform. Yeah, thank you for taking my questions, Um, and I have to say with a 14.4% margin in 1H, it is great to hear you say that from the inside you can tell us that plenty still went wrong. Certainly no complacency at Stellantis. But
3: uh, an exciting development during the first half was the unveiling of the Stellantis medium platform, which you mentioned has sector benchmark performance. Can I ask, what do you consider the benchmark here? Is it Tesla or is it an amalgamation of Tesla and some of Stellantis' traditional competitors? And today your margins
2: are materially above benchmark on the ICE vehicles. So should we expect Stellantis to also target above benchmark margins on your BEVs?
3: Thank you. Well, thank you, George. Two great questions. Uh, first of all, Stellar Stella Medium, has been engineered uh, to have uh, a very efficient packaging of uh, uh, energy so that we offer 700 kilometers of range so that we kill range anxiety for the families that have one single car in the family. So it's uh, capable of uh, up to 720 kilometers of range, if my memory is correct, and it is correct, uh, with no less than 98 kilowatt hours of energy storage. At the same time, uh, we work very hard on the uh, 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 powertrain line, on the transition, transmission line to make sure that we have the highest efficiency in terms of energy consumption with less than 14 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers. And I'm not giving you the precise number because I don't want to give that number to my competitors. So to whom do we compare ourselves when we talk about best-in-class performance? Uh, to make it simple, we compare ourselves to Tesla – We compare ourselves to the Koreans mostly, but we always have an overview and uh, there is nothing that we do right now in engineering in this company that is not aiming at being best in class. Now, what may happen is that while we are doing this on a three to five years time window, somebody else will come and do a better performance than what we forecasted, which is part of the difficulty of this uh, kind of forecasting. But based on the forecasts we have on the progress of the market, everything we do right now in engineering at Stellantis is aiming at being best in class. And our CTO and head of R&D, Ned Keurig, is very, very heavy on that one, making sure that we make the difference through our engineering skills. Of course, it's very demanding. Of course, we have endless discussions from time to time. But it's exciting. And we are leveraging the best scientific education that we can have from our technical centers all over the world. I think actually that this is, this is a very, uh, a very uh, important, um, important topic here. So what about uh, the margins on BEV? Uh, what I can tell you is that um, every electrified vehicle that we sell is highly profitable. The question that you will have, uh, and it's a legitimate question, is when do we have the same margins? We are getting close. We are getting close, but we should be careful because I could give you the answer you would like me to give you, which is very soon we'll have exactly the same margins, but that would be a distorted answer that I do not want to give to you. I think we will be interested in knowing what are the margins when we will consider, both you and me, that we have reached a level of affordability of the BV products that protects our customer base at a middle class level. And I think we should ensure that we have the same margins, uh, worst case, when we will be selling BEVs at a price that uh, protects the affordability for the middle classes, which means protects the size of our customer basis. And that's the relevant point for comparison of the margins. But right now, uh, as you may imagine, um, we could not be making 14.4% AY margin if. Are uh, electrified products would not profitable. They are very profitable, but they are also very profitable at a price point that is not today uh, affordable enough for the middle classes, and that's where the challenge on the cost reduction needs to happen in the next uh, few years, to bring back PVs to a price point that middle class can can pay for, and then check that we have rewarding margins for the electri- electrification. But We are on our way, and there is no red ink in our company because that's something that on our business culture is not accepted by anybody. There is no red ink, but in some cases we may have pricings that we will consider as being too high for the future, and that's where we are now working hard on the cost reduction of those technologies. Thank you. A big theme of this earnings call was
2: making cars affordable for middle-class folks, which I am all... 100% 100% down for, and not only making cars that are affordable for folks in the middle class, but also making them compelling. That was a big theme theme throughout the earnings call. Uh, and I believe them. Uh, they talked a little bit about the Stella medium platform. We've talked about this in the past, but let's just go through it again. Stellantis will have four battery electric vehicle platforms. The medium is the first one that's going to come out, But the four platforms themselves are the small, medium, large, and frame. Although I'd really like to know what the frame is. Uh, I guess I could look it up, but I'm not going to right now. The Stellantis medium is for passenger cars, SUVs, and crossovers. It'll be a 400-volt architecture. It'll have a 20 to 80% charge in about 27 minutes. The performance level battery will have 435 miles of range or 700 kilometers and the standard battery pack will have 310 miles of range and 500 kilometers. Now, I will say that it is very unlikely that we're going to see a $25,000 EV that will have 310 or 435 miles of range. Like we're probably looking in the 260 to maybe 240, you know, that range range. We're, we're, we're not going to see these vehicles with range over uh, 300 miles or 500 kilometers for that price. But I do really appreciate that they're focusing on that price point and trying to get a profitable car at $25,000. All right, let's move on to our next question. I, I need to let you know that Stellantis has a new CFO. Her name is Natalie Knight. She's been there for two or three weeks now. And I thought the... Analyst asked a really good question, so let's go ahead and jump into that.
0: Coming coming into the business, um, you must have had some assumptions and preconceptions about what you'd find. Could you share some of the highlights, surprises, maybe disappointments, if you dare, um, you had in your in your first kind of uh, first kind of days? And if I, if I were to ask you uh, with a fresh pair of eyes to articulate. Why this is the right time for investors to join into the Stellantis story? Kind of what would be the key highlights that you would point out that will drive shareholder returns over the next, or let's say over the medium term, right, for the next couple of years? Thanks.
1: Great. Well, thanks, Daniel, for the question. Um, as you know, or might know some of you, I've been here for a whopping two and a half weeks. So these are very, very fresh eyes. So it may be a good question to ask me next time we meet as well. But I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed is when I looked at the business and I decided, hey, this is a place I want to join. It was looking at a company that, you know, I, one of the red threads of my career has always been great brands, great people and game changers. And that's something that when I looked at this business i said all those things are met and more and i think what has con- what has really been exciting as i've gotten in and looked under the hood a little bit is seeing why is that the case and you know there is something here i think when you look at this business you know efficiency is our middle name it's table stakes it's one of the things we really care about But it's also something where it's about growth and it's about vision and really looking at being part of this big story of how do we transition this industry into something completely different than where it is today. So when you ask what have I seen, what I've seen is people who are 100% motivated on this topic where there is an urgency, there's an excitement. That piece really gets me going. Um, There's definitely, as Carlos has said, there's always opportunities to improve. I think that's one of the things when I look at how will I talk even more to the investor community as we go forward. It's about sharing not just what are the things we do well, but what are the thing how do we share, I'll say, the incremental achievements in terms of giving people confidence. It's not just a big dream, but there's steps along the way. And giving, allowing people to have confidence as we make those successes that people can believe with us in our ability to deliver the bigger picture going forward. You asked about maybe some things that, you know, I've seen that are a little under, you know, maybe less than where they want to be. To be honest, I haven't found much yet. There's always things we can work in. I work on, I care a whole lot about sustainability and I think that's a place where there are very nice moves at this group. But you can always do that more holistically and when you think about it in terms of the way the market is moving. um, I also look at our business and I'm really excited about the growth that we can drive in what I'll call the third engine. That piece where I think there's a big attention on Europe and the U.S. No wonder that's where all of our um, business traditionally has been. But these are really places where there's an energy and there's a growth and excitement in the business that I think we're going to see develop a lot as we go forward. So those are a couple of ideas. Again, as I said, feel free to ask again in the future. Um, I'll probably be able to give even more insights in another half
0: year. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.
2: This is a fantastic answer. You could tell that she's been media trained. But I thought it was, you know, not a canned answer, but it was but it was a, a an executive type answer while still feeling like she's a person and not some robot that just repeats back talking points, you know? She seems real personable, and I'm looking forward to hearing what she says in the next earnings call, because then she'll have some actual time with the company, and hopefully she will give the good and the bad when she gives her opening remarks on the earnings call. So I'm really looking forward to hearing more of what she has to say on earnings calls. Our next question is about Chinese automakers making inroads into the European market.
4: Thank you. Hi, Carlos, and welcome, Natalie. Um, just one question, please,
1: and congrats on the results and the very strong pricing you showed in the first half. Um, just going back to the topic of the, of the Chinese invasion in Europe, um, Carlos, can you share your thoughts as to how you're going to plan to, to compete in this €25,000 price segment? Um, you mentioned uh, the product introduction of the Citroën there, but can you give us a bit more color as to how you plan to, to compete in this segment on, on battery, on electric motor, and the value chain? Um, and also connected to this topic, um, do you think you will be able to redesign an entry into the Chinese market uh, in the next two years in the light of the offensive we have from Chinese exports into Europe? Thank you.
3: Well, thank you, Jose. Those are great questions. Certainly, those are Darwinian questions. Uh, I think the problem that needs to be solved by the Western car makers operating in high-cost countries is very simple. Can you make... Uh, sub-25,000 euro cars profitably to ensure that we have a safe, clean and affordable solution for the middle classes of the Western world. Uh, I was asked by uh, some of my US uh, teammates uh, what was an affordable EV in the US. Well, not very different, around $25,000. What does that mean? It means that we need to come up with a sourcing proposal that allows us to sell those cars like the Citroën C3 at uh, 25K or less in a profitable manner. So you have two ways to get there or a combination of the two. One, you find breakthroughs in design to cost. Breakthroughs in terms of battery technology. And from there, you make the difference on the total production cost by those breakthroughs which are, let's say, technology-driven and or you use the same cost structure as your Chinese competitors, which means you need to have an LCC sourcing that is as competitive as the Chinese sourcing. And I'm here making the assumption that there are no specific subsidies for the Chinese car makers to be more competitive abroad than what they are in uh, in their domestic market. So it, it is very simple. You understand this very well, Jose. If you want to make a C20, C3 profitable, at less than 25,000 euros, and you'll see the final pricing will be below that, you have to have a very competitive cost structure, which means a significantly LCC-based cost structure. In addition to that, you need to be working with the best battery suppliers in the world that offer you the best package in terms of energy, cost, and weight. We believe that we have now the right formula using the smart car platform strategy that you know because we have been working on this for several years. Uh, We are blessed with the fact that we are ready at the moment where the Chinese come because, in fact, we launched this initiative uh, six years ago and it took a lot of time to get things done because it was not an easy task. But now we are here. So, um, in a nutshell, what we say is that if you want to fight against the Chinese right now in Europe, you need to have... An LCC sourcing strategy, which means having the same weapons as the ones they are using, and you need to be working with one of the best, uh, uh, one of the best battery suppliers in the world to have the best cost per kilowatt hour of embarked energy. Uh, we believe we have that formula. By the way, we also proposed uh, to the French government that we would have a social leasing with a monthly fee of around 100 euros per month as a monthly fee to support the mobility of the middle classes. And that proposal is also profitable thanks to our very strong sales finance and leasing entities. So that's where we are. And um, we think we are blessed with the fact that we are ready at the right timing. That's, that's a, a blessing for us. In terms of products, um, we, we have... Uh, uh, a lot of products coming the next uh, two years. As you know, we will have, by the end of 24 no less than 47 BEVs on sale. 47. It's a big, almost half of our model portfolio. Uh, it will have a very strong dimension in the U.S., where we start the BEV offensive in the U.S. from this second half on the ProMaster EV. Then we'll have the Dodge, the Jeep Recon, We'll have the, uh, the Wagoneer S. Uh, we have a lot of product coming and a lot of refreshment on the European side. Uh, and of course, by the end of this year, most importantly, we'll have the first applications of the Stella Medium platform, which will be focused on the C segment. It's important because right now we are the leaders in the A segment. We are the leaders in the B segment. We are the leaders in the LCV, but we are lacking product offering in the C-segment. And that shortfall of BV-based product offering in the C-segment is now going to be fixed by the end of this year. So um, exciting stuff uh, ahead, um, Jose. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk about it in a, in a few years and say, well, it worked. Hopefully, let's see. All right, so we talked a little bit
2: about competing by finding like breakthroughs, like battery breakthroughs and that kind of thing. And the Chinese automakers are already making their way to Europe, BYD and Neo, um, Great Wall Motors, although I heard a funny thing today, uh, just kind of as a side note, Great Wall Motors has the Aura Funky Cat EV, which is probably the coolest name for an EV. It's also called the Good Cat. I guess it kind of depends on where you are. <laughs> But, uh, this car, if you unlock the cars, if you unlock the car itself, it unlocks the charge port. So when you're DC fast charging, you can just pull the, the, the connector out of the charge port, but there's still electricity going to the car. It doesn't shut the electricity off. So yeah, that's terrifying because, because I guess it's arced and sparked and nobody's gotten hurt to this point, but yeah, that's, that's, that's frightening. But anyway, other than that little <laughs> that little issue right there with, with the car, Chinese automakers are doing a really good job. By the way, they say they're fixing it. But uh, Chinese automakers are making really cool, compelling, affordable cars. Uh, one of the things that he said that I was a little su- surprised on was that by 2024, at the end of 2024, Stellantis will have 47 battery electric vehicles on sale. And I thought, that's a lie. So I looked it up. Right now, Stellantis is selling 23 battery electric vehicles. That's according to Electrek. And I was like, man, that's crazy. But listen, this, these are the brands that, are, that fall under Stellantis. Stellantis, excuse me, my voice is going. Arbuth, Alfa Romeo, Chrysler, Citroen, uh, Dodge, DS, Fiat, Fiat Professional, Jeep, Lancia, Maserati, Opel. Peugeot, Ram, and Vauxhall; those, all of those brands are under the Stellantis uh, group, and uh, twenty-three of them. I, I'm shocked. Now, I didn't look to see what you know each uh, brand, what models they had under each one, but I, I believe electric. So it's entirely possible with that many brands that they could bring forty-seven battery electric vehicles by the end of next year. Um, It's also entirely possible that they won't. All right, everybody, that is it for our show today. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody for being patient with with what's going on with the show. It's all over the place. I feel very scattered at the moment. Anyway, if you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. You can find me on x.com under at 918digital, which is formerly Twitter, and uh, I'm also on threads, but I haven't really posted anything on threads. I'm also on TikTok, and I can't remember what my TikTok profile I think it's kilowatt underscore podcast, but I can't remember what it is. So uh, I'm not selling the social media here. But if you want to get in contact with me, email's the best way. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you so much for being patient. I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. And I hope you all have a wonderful week.
3: Well, first of all, um, we are blessed with uh, with your questions. And uh, I'm so happy to be here sitting in front of you with Natalie, who is going to bring us a different perspective, a fresh perspective on the many things we think we know. And perhaps we don't. Uh, that's good. That's part of the transformation of our company. It's part of the recognition that we should not continue to kick the can down the road. The world is changing. Many things are changing, and we are really blessed uh, with the fact that Natalie accepted to join the team to bring us this fresh perspective, and it's already visible. So thank you, Natalie, for joining, and thank you for that. Um, I also think that we have the right um, strategic plan because the execution of the strategic plan is delivering record results. So what is the best way to demonstrate the plan is correct is that the, the results are there, and then we can manage this transition without putting ourselves at risk and without asking any additional support to any of our shareholders, it's rather the reverse. We are creating the conditions to reward our shareholders in a meaningful way. And that's good for all of us. So I just want to tell you that um, this team is focused on performance and this team is confident about executing the transition, the transformation, which is not an addition. And we are doing this as one single company. There is no old co-new co. This is one co moving at the same pace in the same direction and putting all the energy, all the expertise, all the team working on one single direction, which is to make Stellantis win. And uh, we'll see in a few years how many competitors we'll have to continue to play with. That's going to be the wild card that, of course, you have to, you have to answer to. But thank you for your support. Thank you for your time.